world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is josh welcome to the red pill projects conversations on the fringe this is where we take a break from the uh the world uh great conspiracy that's unfolding in front of us and we talk about those other things that expand the mind and express the consciousness and uh, usually talked about at campfires or late nights at bars. And uh, tonight we're going to have a good conversation on the explorations of consciousness with Matt Presty. Matt, what's up, man? How are you? Josh, great to be back. Doing good, brother. Yeah, man. G- good to have you back. I appreciate you coming on with me. And uh, man, you know, the fuck is going on in the world <laughs> no better way to start a show right like right yeah spiritual well, warfare we're, we're all seeing something really unique happen i think so that's kind of cool in and of itself you know it is you know in in as much as like there is this aspect of fear that's arranged within the world um that it, it is exciting and I think that we are on the verge of something incredibly massive spiritually for um, for for the world. And I think a lot of people are beginning to fall into that. Um, I find myself talking to more and more people who are from various different walks of life, maybe not from the same cultural 
cultural or religious sect or from various different political genres. And they're all starting to align with everything that's happening in the world. They're all starting to, to wake up and understand that this world is a big lie that we've been lied to. There's been a veil pulled over our eyes for a very, very long time. And that the things that we thought we knew, we really don't. That history itself has been one massive facade created by the current establishment that sought to control us to a large and high degree. I couldn't agree more. And uh, that's why it's so important to, to question everything. I, I posted in my telegram room earlier that I live by a motto and that motto is listen to all believe none. Mm. And I said, that even includes all of you in this fucking room. So, <laughs> I mean, I, you got to really discern discernment in the year 2013 was a big word for me. Uh, I called it the word of the year for my tech exploration podcast uh, episodes that I did there. And uh, really you got to be more discerning now than you ever have been. Uh, the information age is on overdrive. We're getting info from all sides. There's co-opted info. There's good info. There's info that you should take with a grain of salt and have supreme objectivity like the, the Carlson interview with Putin, I think was fantastic. It was really great to see um, something on an alternative platform, more or less. And, and it's not mainstream anymore. It's It's really, we're in a flux period where you know, podcasts now deliver up to 75% of the information that most people get on a daily basis, mm -hmm. including younger generations. So I think that in and of itself is really good. But with that also comes the potential for co-opting. So again, we just have to have supreme discernment in this day and age. Listen to all, believe none, research everything, look into it, you know, come to your own conclusions that are educated, you know, and, and informed. And I think you're going to find your way through the world rather well. So, yeah, man, well said, well said. And, and discernment is, is the perfect word for that. I, I tend to say hypercritical analysis. Uh, I, I'm more kind of when I look at the world, I have this motto that I, I kind of use and it's exactly what you said. It's just more words, but it's sure. never believe anything that anybody says, no matter who they are or what, uh, what authority they possess or profess, unless you can prove it through your own investigation, inquiry, through your own volition. And that volition, that aspect of the will that's implemented in that investigation, it isn't going out and validating what they said by going to the sources that they listed. It's going to the foundation, the origination of that information. It's getting as close as possible to the source of where that information came from and then looking at it in that hypercritical perspective, using that high level of discernment to look at that information and, and then make that judgment whether this is true or not true. There's, there's, I was talking about this the other night on this on my other podcast, is that this movement, like there's multiple movements converging right now, right? Mm -hmm. You have truth, you have MAGA, you have conservative, you have Christian, you have uh, all of these various different movements converging. And there's a mass amount of bullshit out there. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing that I try to avoid. Um, you know, if I make a prediction, if I say something, this is usually highly educated. It's given to me by information from people who um, have been consistently right. And, and I try to stick to that high level of integrity with information. But I see people out there just falling 
for, you know, like, uh, you know, King Charles was, uh, you know, executed the other day at 1254 AM and uh, has now been replaced with a clone. And it's like, do, do you have any evidence of this? Like, well, Tucker Carlson was wearing an orange bracelet. So that's, that's why we know. And it's like, People need to use that high level of discernment, especially in this, yeah. this world, man. It's it's crazy right now. You'll also hear too, everybody's a Freemason. They're all Freemasons. They're all in the club. You know, I know quite a lot of Freemasons. I never joined. I've been asked to join. You know, friends of mine said they'd stand for me. I was never tapped, as they say, they use that word, but I was offered, you know, it's by some good old boys. But I can tell you of all the Masons I've met, none of them are capable of even carrying out a conspiracy against their own wives. So, I mean, it's like people give these guys way too much credit, way too much. The average Mason doesn't have a clue what's going on. Okay. At least in the rural areas that I've, I've been around, but there are, you know, there's these high levels, there's these, this and that, but to blatantly assume that everything is a conspiracy and every single Freemason and everybody like Tucker Carlson, cause he's got a red bracelet on must be in the good old boys club, yep. you know, just cause his dad worked in the CIA or whatever. And, and even Putin mentions, you know, I'm glad you didn't join. You would have been sorry. You know, that's an interesting caveat they threw in there, but a lot of people threw him under the bus just cause Putin said that it's like, yeah, that's, you know, you got to be more discerning than that. You can't just throw everything out the window that doesn't fit because you're going to miss a hell of a lot of good information that you could otherwise use to piece a bigger picture together. So again, listen to all, believe none, you know, hyper critical discernment or, uh, you know, sifting through of information. You want to use the best flour you can to bake your bread, you know, and mm -hmm. you're going to have a better loaf and a better smell in the kitchen. So it's all a process, man. And it, the process never ends. We're never going to get to the ultimate truth until we meet our maker. But while we're here on this sphere, <laughs> uh, we can do the best we can to try and, uh, you know, gather the intelligence that we need to make knowledgeable decisions. Because at the end of the day, a human being can only do that which they know. Right. If you're doing anything that you do not know, you are experimenting. And that's when accidents happen. So do what you know, you know, and learn to know things and, and continually uh, stay on the path toward knowledge because things you know you can do. And as the more you get to know, the more you're capable of doing. And that's when your life gets really rich because you're applying yourself to that nth degree. And that nth degree is limitless. It absolutely is. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, mm -hmm. for everybody out there who doesn't know who Matt is, Matt's been on this show many times before. He's been in uh, these circles for a very long time. Good friend of uh, Michael Desarian, David Whitehead. Um, he, he's a meta scientist. He's a musician, phenomenal musician, uh, patriot, philosopher, poet, practitioner of universal law, natural science, and living philosophy. Um, and he has the the host of the exploration of uh, the Exploration of Consciousness Podcast Tech. You can find it on YouTube. We got them linked up, mattpresti.com. It's M-A-T-T-P-R-E-S-T-I.com. My mods will get that out for you guys out there. Um, he's the former director of operations and president of the University of Science and Philosophy, formerly the Walter Russell Foundation. Um, if you guys don't know who Walter Russell was, he was a polymath at the beginning of the 20th century, absolute genius in his own right, 
who discovered many, many mysteries pertaining to consciousness, the universe, God, philosophy, light, um, just a fantastic. And, and Matt is probably the subject matter expert on this planet on Walter Russell. And so when I ask Matt these questions, just keep that in mind that this, this man has a vast knowledge of all this stuff. But Matt, the question I wanted to ask you here was when it comes to this world that we're living in and the use of discernment and all these things, do you think that we are headed somewhere? Do you think that there's something external to us that is happening, that is shifting, that is changing? Well, that's a great question. I mean, you know, is it the Schumann frequency? Is it the pole shift, possible coming pole shift? Is there cosmic <clears throat> rays that are increasing from the sun's output? I mean, I tend to think all of these are possibilities, but I also know that the, at the very same time that there's outside influences really the only thing I've ever seen that changes anybody is their own internal desire. Mm. You know, I've watched people drink themselves to death. I've seen people overdose. I've, I've witnessed um, one atrocity after another with friends and, and even some family members. And, you know, it really, I'd say the leading cause of, of uh, unhappiness, instability, insecurity, anxiety is self-inflicted. And I've always been one who, who preaches the, the gospel of balance. You know, if I, if I was to say there's one thing I learned from the Russells, that is that the one law of this universe is balance. And somebody commented in, uh, in the chat here. So how do we know what truth is as people are losing their minds? Well, because if you're balanced, you're not losing your mind. Okay. Yeah. So that's your key. There's your answer. Uh, if you don't want to lose your mind, seek balance, work for balance, you know, create yourself a balanced life. Stop shooting yourself in the own foot. 99% uh, of people I know that are unhappy are, are unhappy because of self-inflicted misery. And we can stop doing that. We can stop the repetition, which takes psychological work and self-awareness and an agreement with yourself that you're going to do better. You're not going to you're going to go, you're going to go and sin no more, meaning quit missing the mark. Cause that's what the word sin means. A Scottish term from archery, meaning to miss the mark. Hmm. So if you're hitting the mark, you're living a balanced life. You're making balanced choices. You know, you will not succumb to defeat. You will not succumb to, you know, massive self-inflicted wounds. You will learn to navigate the world in a much easier way than someone who's out of balance in a state of sin and self-inflicted misery, who is constantly shooting themselves in the foot and unable to right themselves. And the more you are out of balance, the more you blame the external world for why you are. And it's a self-perpetuating, self-defeating cycle of ignorance that can only be solved by the pursuit and integration of knowledge into one's soul and into one's everyday um, responsibilities and everyday um, activities. You know, you have to learn to live in the light of knowledge, which is truth. And whatever truth that is to you, you have to figure that out for yourself because everybody's different. The truth of who you are and what you're supposed to do on this planet is not the same as the person standing next to you. Each truth of who you're meant to be is something you have to figure out 
through the process of the discovery and actualization of yourself into the body in which you live. And I think that's really the best advice I can give. Find out, find yourself, and you will find the others who are also on the path. Temesinosis. <laughs> know thyself, man. It's, it's, there you it's, go. You know, it, it's what the old uh, Greek philosophers always used to say is that, uh, you know, the great work is to know thyself. And I, I've talked about this uh, a few times in the sense that I cannot know anybody better than I know myself, that everything that I know within another person is simply a reflection within myself at a certain level of, of knowingness, of understanding. And therefore, the same thing goes about God, my relationship with the spirit, the divine creator, whatever we might, might want to call it, is that I can't have a relationship with whatever it is if I don't know myself. And that relationship can only be extended to the, to the depths of how I know myself. And knowing yourself is this internal work that must happen. And, and it comes about through the, the, the creation of these various mental faculties, one of them being, um, which I would actually define as freedom and, and free will, is self-discipline is that there is no freedom without discipline, is that we have to have this high level of discipline within our mind. You know, if we allow external things to control our, our every mood, our every emotion, our every action, our every thought, then who are we but no more than a reflection of the environment which is being imposed upon us. You know, we're, we're that, that being of the, uh, of the realm of effect instead of that creator being of which we were meant to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you nailed it right there. That's a great answer and great explanation. Um, and again, why I study Walter Russell is because it, it came along right at a perfect time in my life when I was ready. You know, when the student re is ready, the master appears, they say. And, you know, we might all have different masters that can impart divine wisdom to us. And, you know, one thing I do think that is missing in today's studies is and I think you've got this well, and, and David Whitehead as well, and and Mr. Tessarion and others, um, is a study of mysticism. You know, hermeticism, the hermetic arts, are really a very lost art. And, uh, you know, religion sort of is what hermetics became, and it's now so watered down that they've completely removed its mystical side, which is why a lot of people who find themselves in the dead end world of, re of the various religions uh, have this existential sense of emptiness because the mystical in that religion has been so watered down that it's been completely filtered out and maybe not even on purpose, maybe just accidentally because, you know, one thing that people must do in, in all subject matter and especially, you know, the, the uh, study of spirituality and the soul and, and man's divine purpose is find renewal. You know, the mind must renew. Uh, you can go back a hundred years and, and 70% of the human or the English language doesn't have or didn't have the meanings many of these words do today. Meanings get added to words over time because there's renewal even of words themselves. Do you know my favorite Bible verse? What's that? Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There then you, go. you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Absolutely. Couldn't say it better. And yeah. you know, that, that, that goes down to yourself. It goes down to your relationships, your jobs. You know, even if you've worked a job for 20 years, you can renew, you know, tear your office down and set it back up in a different way. Yeah. You know, my studios, I've built 
12 studios in my life and each one was different. And sometimes I'll tear the studio down, move it all out, vacuum it up, rearrange it. There you go. And, and then you're renewing and you're suddenly, you've got inspiration back, you know, new equipment, new setup, new things like that. All these things are, are servants to your mind, to renew your mind. And uh, your mind is the organizer of the material world, you know, mm -hmm. and the more organized and balanced your mind, you want to know how balanced your mind is? Look at your surroundings. If they're in order and they're clean, your mind is clean and in order. If it's a pigsty, that's what your mind is reflecting to you. Your room is telling you something about the state of your mind. So um, you know, I used to be a slob. I used to keep my room when I was in my teenage years and uh, my first years of owning studio equipment. I just threw the wires wherever and they'd end up in a bird's nest all knotted up and tangled. And the more, <clears throat> let's just say you get accused of having OCD. I, I actually refer to OCD as overly creative drive. Like it, yeah. You're, if you're truly overly creative, you're not washing your hands 60 times a day. You're organizing your life because you're organizing your mind and your life will follow. Your room will follow the mind. So the more organized you get, the more you're able to wield knowledge, the better you can remember things. You know, you can apply yourself and the physical has to follow because I, I, I truly believe that or I know I should say don't have to believe in this, but I know that the mind precedes all matter in, in all cases. And that's how I view my creator is that nature is the effect of the creator's mind. It's perfect. Mm. I can't find a flaw in nature. There is no um, contradiction in nature. It's perfect. You know, to me, you can find unbalances, but they quickly rebalance themselves, right. you know, and it's not, there's no, not one shred <clears throat> look of evil in all of it. It's, it's divinely created and it, it serves its purpose well. And uh, all the great poets will tell you, if you can apply yourself and order your life, like God orders nature, you'll live a divine life as well. And I think that's something we can all do. I love it, man. Uh, well said, man. And um, let me ask you this, and, and it's not, uh, it, I don't want to change topics, but it, it's kind of on the similar topic. It's something that you were mentioning before um, about hermeticism then falling into the rut of Christianity. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's Christian mysteries out there. There's Christian mysticism out there. And I urge mm -hmm. people to, to delve into those and to understand them. And uh, this is kind of, I want your thoughts on this, but this is one of the reasons why is that there is a whole universe in front of you. There's a whole universe inside of you. Do you think that it is a, a disenfranchisement to the self, to the soul, to, to the mind, to limit yourself to a, a belief that is set in stone, not dynamic, that is confined to borders? I would say as long as you have renewal, again, it goes, it goes to that. If, right. if you stagnate anything you're in, it, it, your job, your relationships, your, 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 uh, your podcast, whatever it is, if it, if it becomes stagnant, you need renewal. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can, I have nothing wrong with any of the religions. It's just my, my critique of them is that in many ways, and it's not me saying this, it's like the James R. Horns of the world who wrote uh, uh, Mysticism and Vocation. He said that, you know, unfortunately, and I'm paraphrasing him, 
you know, religions have basically driven out the mystical side of, of themselves. And, and that's why a lot of the, and this was written about 20, 30 years ago, why a lot of the religions were losing members at that time, because they're looking for something more than just the stagnant re- repetition of the mundane and the ordinary. You know, you've got to invoke that renewal through through change and change is something that the universe should fundamentally teach all of us is the only constant you know and it's it's that old rush lyric the more that things change the more they stay the same and you know change really is the only constant but it 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 certainly is something that we can all look out into the world we see this change happening everywhere there's a change in media there's and again media is something incredible to witness right now especially in terms of change and renewal like Tucker Carlson or not, this is a renewal point in media where you've got now 70 million people that within five hours of time have watched an interview that would have otherwise a year ago been impossible. And I don't think it's coordinated by the deep state. In fact, I think it's the anti, but it doesn't mean he's not affiliated in some way, shape or form. And that's, again, it's no reason not to watch or to, to come away with an instant negative view that they're all Freemasons working together at the lodge, you know, speaking of, I'll see you at the lodge after this. I got That's a right, couple man. of news reserved for yeah. us and listeners. No, just Yeah, exactly. It's, it's renewal, man. Everything can be I renewed that, and, yeah. and everybody can be redeemed just because you're a Mason. Doesn't mean you're against a, a patriotic stance or against freedom or individuality. You know, every Mason I've met who I know personally, again, they're they're patriots. They love this country and they don't like what's happening. Yeah. So when somebody says, oh, they're all Masons, they're all in. No, dude, they're not. You can't just group everybody together because you haven't been out of your house to see that there's more to the world than just your one-sided view of black and white. You know, there's nuance. There's nuance. There's There's subtleties differences and and noticing those things are what renews the mind when you get into this black and white picture of the world that you know all cops are bad or all world leaders suck or we shouldn't have leaders at all there's a lot of people who say leaders we don't need leaders but i'll tell you what actually in the job that i work in if i wouldn't have been the leader of many people the work that i did to move 64 tons of art and sculpture would have never happened Somebody had to take the leadership role and get shit moving. Mm-hmm. Because if you just leave it open to a mass of people, nobody's going to get coordinated. A lot of people don't know how to coordinate. So you do need leadership in many roles in society. And that's a natural function of nature. So to me, leadership is a natural thing. Uh, I don't think government was formed outside of nature. I think it was right in line with it in some cases. I'm not saying not, you know, tyrannies or things like that that involve a belief of superego and an, and an overpowering of the superego. The rest of the the self structure is a good thing, but it's certainly uh, there's arguments to be made for government as being a natural outcropping of humans getting together in a communal basis. And and that's another argument we can have for a different day. But well, actually, no, I think it's a, it's a perfect segue here. Um, you know, one thing I did want to say about uh, Christianity in that sense is I wasn't attacking Christians in the sense of everything's in the book. I, I actually wanted to say onto that is that we are having a revival 
of the, yeah. the Christian spirit that is coming about these days. People are moving away from these large institutional churches yeah. and they're, they're finding, see. yeah, they're finding those hometown pastors They're finding those pastors that are working out of schools and working out of, you know, um, you know, community halls and centers and, and they're going in there and they're getting these congregations together and they're getting people motivated. They're getting people out there to take action within their society because that's the aspect is that, I look at everything in the sense of um, a conglomeration or a collective. I, I think that there is what what we call oneness is this collective consciousness that acts and operates at a very high level and degree, and that we are various individualized manifestations of this collective, and that our government is a representation of this natural process, that the home, the home is the moral and ethical foundation for the children who are going to grow up in that home. What you instill within that household is going to be the next generation of values in society, and rightfully so. And so how you treat your neighbor, how you communicate with your neighbors, your community as a whole, that, that is going to build a social dynamic. As that evolves, that moves on to that town, that city, or that village. And so that becomes a, a larger dynamic that becomes socially acceptable within that area and region. We call that culture, mm -hmm. right? And then that expands out to the state. And this is what formulates that state government. This is what formulates those local governments. We select people who are like in values and like in views. And guess what? That expands out to Washington, D.C. That becomes that realm of corruption. And so our government today is simply a, a, a manifestation, an external manifestation of the inner state of confusion and frustration and anger inside of man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As, as within, so without. Yeah. It's like your, your own house. If it's out, if you're out of balance and you're in a relationship and you're keeping things from your spouse and you're sneaking around doing stuff or vice versa, or one of the kids is having trouble or you know, there could be a manifestation of multiple different kinds of things in one person's own particular home that creates an unbalance, you know, bad day at work, bring it home, chew out, you know, the mate or, or vice versa. And that can create an unbalance, which then gets the cops called and then the neighborhood's out of balance. So it is really truly as within, so without, you know, that's the other side of the hermetic axiom. It's not just as above, so below. And um, one of the beautiful things about that is, again, it goes, goes back to balance. Now, we've all been out of balance. We all get out of balance from time to time. But the more you focus and make balance a staple of your day-to-day -day operations, your moment-to-moment -moment being and decision-making, the quicker you're able to get back into it. It's a lifelong practice. And, you know, there's, there's no reason to think that, you know, if you take a collective group of people that are out of balance and then you apply it to our government, you'll clearly see that it's a manifestation of individuals working collectively out of balance with each other. I mean, I said today too, that, that there's a lot of people in this administration that are so far removed from reality. They don't even believe their own biology. Yeah. You know, and how do you convince a person to be in reality when they're out of reality on that basic premise alone? So do you really expect balanced decisions to come from somebody that shuns reality down to their own biology? And can we really expect to have balanced leadership? So 
again, it's, you know, I, I'd like to see more people get involved in, you know, <coughs> politics. If it calls to you, there's ways you can get involved at the grassroots level. And I really think too, that, that part of my hope, even more so than I ever had with this Q idea was that people would get involved themselves and, and become their own white hats. You know, we're all gray beards. Let's resurrect as white hats. You know, it's time for more white wizards like Mr. Josh there. You're on, you're on the path, man. And that's, you look great, oh, by the way. It's going to go down, man. It's going all the way down. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm doing it. The I call awesome. it the Gandalf. So I'm a black hat right now. So <laughs> where I'm coming at you. I got, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to do the Gandalf. Um, so what have you been working on, bro? Are you working on any new projects? What's going on? Oh man, God, there's so much going on, brother. Um, some I can't talk about, some I can, but um, on my way to an Arcapulco, actually, I'm going to speak there uh, for the first time. Uh, I've heard good things. I've heard not so good things, but I think for me, the the chance to to take Walter and Leo Russell's teachings to a international audience is a real great opportunity. Um, I'm out of the ayahuasca phase and all the the psychedelics. I've I've been through that whole phase, and yeah. I went to the end of it, you know, as far as I could take it, and it it only gave me so much. But having had uh, eleven minor illuminations of my own that were substance less, you know, I, I clearly know there's a difference between pure mind and uh, substance-induced experiences. I'm not saying that they're bad or good necessarily, but I will say that, you know, that experience is actually, uh, again, it's it's something that I'm trying to get out to the world that there's there's this thing of balance that comes down to the decisions that you make in your mind. And, and that's sort of the, the, the topic of my talk there is, is balance a living philosophy is the title of it. And I'm just really looking forward to the chance to share, you know, the things I've learned and and really honed in on over these past couple decades with a whole new group of people. And my my hope is to, you know, continue to be authentic and inspire these folks and and be as original as I can in living my life and renewing myself from day to day as I go along. So looking forward to that. Uh, other than that, I'm just, you know, trying to get through this winter. It's it's been a little tough. Um Lori and I are doing good. We've, we've had uh, a little bit of sickness here and there. Mm -hmm. I think everybody has, I mean, I don't, yep. I don't know anybody that hasn't been through a little bit of a, a purge this year, if you will, with either flu allergies or whatever it is, yep. you know, I won't say the, 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 the other word, but um, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you got to go through it, but I think we're all going to come out shinier on the other side. So I, I agree with you, man. And, and, you know, I do believe that there is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, you were talking about mystical experiences there, you know, the, the drug induced ones. I've been working on this book for a long time. Ever since I started this podcast, I was working on the book before and some people motivated me. I wrote the first few chapters. I'm still working on it, but it's, it's transcending the state. What I learned from over, over 150 plus LSD trips before the age of 18, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I look back on and I'm not proud of, but I, I'm happy that I had them. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably, the number is probably close to 500, but right. you know, I 150 is a nice round number. It doesn't sound like I'm too insane, but, um, you know, I I've long given up the idea of utilizing drugs for mystical experiences. And I know that there's this big revolution going on with, with ayahuasca, with DMT, with mushroom psilocybin, 
Um, and, and I cheer these people on and, but you know, there's a beautiful thing out there. It's called your own mind and you can find that peace and you can find that state within inside yourself. And, um, I actually just last week I went and, uh, we had this, uh, this woman on a few weeks ago, Gail Lynn, mm-hmm. and she's an electrical engineer by trade. And, um, she had like, you know, just nervous breakdown, needed a reset, started studying Rife and Tesla and she's an electrical engineer. So she's like, I can build sacred geometry. And she was all like obsessed with the egg, the egg shape. And she built this thing called the harmonic egg. And it's just this, um, this big wooden egg that you get inside and you sit in this chair and the wavelength kind of, it has a node point right at the center of your body. And they do various different musical sessions in there. They use uh, hemi-sync, you know, binaural beats and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But people have all these different types of profound experiences in there. And she said that, like, we don't even know how it works. And, like, I gave her my thoughts and ideas because I went in there. And during the music playing, I, I was a little claustrophobic, but I'm like, okay, whatever, breathe, right? Got into a meditation and nothing was happening. I was like, uh, okay, whatever. I'll just chill and relax, meditate. And uh, the last 20 minutes are silence. And I come in a hypnagogic state in silence. And like, I'm like, I'm meditating, I'm aware, I'm conscious, but I, I understand that I'm still in the egg, but my eyes are closed. I, 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 I can hear the sounds around me and it's, it's silent in the egg. And all of a sudden I hear this whistling outside of both of my ears. And the whistling got louder and louder, my ears started to kind of heat up and I'm like, what the hell? And I kind of moved and it stopped. And I'm like, is this something that the egg's doing? And like my mind said, listen to it again. And I tried to focus on it. I listened to it and it started getting like really high pitched in my ear. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, so I, I, I looked away, kind of like, what the heck's going on? My mind said, let it go no matter how bad it hurts. And the whistling turned into a pulsating inside my head. Like my physical head was going boom, 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 right in, right, like right in the center, right up in here. Not, I, I wouldn't say my pineal, but like in the dead center. And my head was going boom, 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 boom. And it was just this. Ah! And um, it was to the point where I felt my head was going to explode. Shit you not. And I thought I was going to have a seizure. And right at that moment, she opens the door and she goes, how was it? And I'm like, what was that? <laughs> so I get up and I'm kind of disoriented and um, I turned to my side. And by the way, I didn't take anything in there with me. I was just me that went in there. I turned to my side and I lean over to pick something up. And she goes, don't pick that up. Leave it there. And I'm like looking down and there's nothing there. I'm like, uh, okay. And she pulls me out. And she goes, yep, leave that there. The egg will take care of that. And I'm like, what? And she goes, she says, the egg has this way of like just, releasing the tethers of emotion and emotional bonds that we have with people that are no longer needed. And that was my intention to go in there is to release that, which no longer serves me. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you tried to pick it up and take it with you when you left, leave that for the egg. And I'm like, Whoa, that's like crazy. Dude. <laughs> I get out to my car five minutes later. I turn my phone on and I got a text message from somebody in my very important, in my life who were on the way out. And we've been trying to like kind of separate those various different bonds. This person's texting me going, I don't feel well. It hit me all of a sudden. All the joints in my body hurt. I'm sick. Mm. And I'm like, what? Like, the person's been sick for like five days. And I'm sitting there going, and I I wrote the people at the harmonic egg and they're like, 
this happens all the time with this kind of stuff. They'll be fine. They just need to rebalance. I'm like, well, I'll get them into the harmonic egg and see if that helps them. And I'll explain to them what happened. Maybe the psychological aspect will help them. But then I had my shoulder. I wasn't able like a week uh, for a month. I wasn't able to move my shoulder. I was like right here. And like, I couldn't move it back. And like, like that, I was in excruciating pain, just sitting down. I was in excruciating pain, had no idea what was wrong with it. Moved my house while my shoulder was injured. Mm. And um, I get back home and I'm like, something's like, just lay down. I lay down. I got my arm up in the air and all of a sudden I feel pop, my shoulder pop back on the socket. I'm like, oh my God, I had a partial dislocation this whole time. Oh, wow. And so, but like it, whatever it was, loosened my muscles. And then today, like a voice inside my head, like it's still been sore, but like I can move it. But something, a voice inside my head said, grab the back of your belt, your belt. And I like grabbed the back of my belt and like it was massive pain. And all of a sudden it just whew, released. Wow. 90% cool. of the pain just went away. And that's how it's been since I went into that egg thing. And for people out there, I like the, the, you can have spiritual experiences anywhere at any time. You mm -hmm. don't need drugs. You don't need any special settings. If you have these harmonic type of places, like various different land, uh, land points on land or or in the water or something like water is one of the places I like, you, you're more prone to have a, a, a very intense experience. But you can have these just by meditating daily. Mm -hmm. But it, th that's been my thing is like, I, I it rekindles all of that knowledge and information because right when you get that that experience that comes in again, all of that knowledge begins to flow. It's like a download of information that begins unraveling in front of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. You don't have a picture of that egg by any chance, do you? I do. Okay. I pull it up. I'll just comment to that. Um, yeah, I, I'd say in my 52 years on this planet, the greatest drug that I've ever discovered is sobriety. <laughs> Now it's, it's sort of like, you know, when you, when you start taking martial arts and you get into it and your teacher finally pulls you to the side or you read about it, if you're self-taught, whatever, whoever you're studying will, if they're a master, they'll eventually tell you that the whole point of training and, and being in martial arts is to learn how not to fight. Mm -hmm. So in the same vein, you could say the whole point of taking hallucinogens or psychedelics is to learn how to be spiritually sober. Wow. It's sort of the same disciplinary kind of outlook, you know? Yeah. But my greatest experiences of mind and illumination came from a sober state of being, you know, and the greatest things I've ever written down, um, my greatest productions have come from a genuine inspiration, not through any drug use. In fact, I can't create where the shit if I've been drinking or smoking or, yeah or it tends to be garbled and incomplete and not as good. So you really have to, to get into that zone of, of working out in a creative stance, creative place. Uh, even if your daily job, you know, you can get into the flow of things and really enjoy it. So it's, it's sort of a mental disciplinary training environment within yourself where you allow yourself space to, to really enjoy the creative process in whatever you're doing you know, and the sobriety process itself. And that often entails stopping the voice in your head and really, you know, more or less being the cop that says, I'll arrest you if you, if you get in my way again, but I'm in charge here. You know, it's sort of the self telling the superego, 
or the id who's animalistic and in many occasions to use a freudian uh way to term it uh that you guys are no longer in charge of me i'm in charge of you and i'm gonna decide what i do with my life and my time but yeah that talk about that egg for a minute that's pretty cool looking but anybody there there's a prime example of of a kind of uh application of the self that that doesn't require you know the use of this or that but it's 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 a form of new medicine i'd say mm -hmm. probably got some really incredible treatments but tell us more about that because that looks really awesome yeah um you know my perspective on it was and this is kind of like so i went down here in saint paul minnesota and and sharon she's a, a ayurvedic pr practitioner and she was explaining to me that like, she's been working with it for years since it first came out. She, she knows Gail. Um, and that her perspective of it is that, is it resonates your own internal energy. Mm -hmm. And my idea behind it is this, is that we have this subtle energy body to, to us, right? We have this energy form to us. Um, and that energy body can get, in a dissonant state. It can be dragged down by various other people and connections, the environment. Um, it, it can have, you know, bad information and bad carrier waves, whatever. And what we don't have is a lot of us is the ability to kind of just shut it off and reset it and turn it back on. But I think what's happening is when you go into that egg, egg is that you're, you're in that state where you're ready to heal and the body senses that and it's, it's all organic in the side. So it's a really kind of a resonant wood, mm -hmm. high quality resonant wood that you make a tar out of. Is and that I pressurized? Think, uh, it's not pressurized. No. Okay. I wish it was. Right. But, it, and I wish it was soundproof as well, but it, they, they're not pressurized sensory deprivation, but yeah, that, that right. makes sense. But there is a sense of sensory deprivation when you do get in there. Mm -hmm. um right when that door closed and the music started like it felt like i was in a ocean of music like mm -hmm. i felt the it, music was soft mm -hmm. but i felt it around me and right. you could immediately feel the way that it was reverberating mm -hmm. around everything and i i found that pretty profound but it was when the silence came that i really noticed kind of what was happening and that was that my own subtle energy began to oscillate and resonate inside of it. And what that I believe happens is that it breaks away all that that is not a part of it, that is not part of its natural state. And so we have this kind of like spiritual cleansing that occurs in this thing because, you know, you're, you're not being influenced by external pressures, electromagnetic radiation by other people, but you're in this state and you're in this, this, this wood that's oscillating back towards you your own energy and that allows it to break away all those other bonds and you know dissonances and get everything i called it tuning your subtle fields and i think that that's one thing that it absolutely does because i came out of there and i was like wide awake i was perked up <laughs> my brain was humming but it was humming in a good way like like i typically have a a hyperactive brain right Right. And ADHD, just like, blah, 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 blah. but I came out of there, but it was hyperactive, but focused, right. focused as a laser. And I've been like, ever since then, I've just been on point, just like, I know exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it. The thoughts come clearly. Everything flows naturally. 
Um, I, I'm not struggling to get words out there. And um, like, I, I understand things a lot better now. It, I, I love it. I'm like, I'm like trying to figure out how to build one in my house. I just built this <laughs> studio. I literally just built this 12 by 12 studio. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm like, how do I build this thing now? Right. Well, I think we're in a prime time for humans to, to begin to utilize the, the innate and hidden talents that we all have. One being healing, you know, and, and, and this person, obviously you say it was a, a lady friend of yours or. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And should share her website. Um, so I can check her out, but, um, these kinds of modalities are, are going to be more and more, you know, as we move away from the failed medical um, uh, allopathic only way of looking at the, the world, you know, allopathy does have its useful purpose. If I ever get in a car accident and I have a bone sticking out of my leg, I would like an emergency room doctor, but that's probably the only time I'll ever actually think that that, you know, allopathy has its usefulness. Um, as far as like, you know, treatments for other kinds of things, ailments, things of that nature, we're going to see hopefully more of this kind of thing. These alternatives come into, into focus. You know, I, I often wonder too, what, what anybody out there to do with Reich is up to these days. I had met a friend from, from Minnesota who, um, was a huge Reich influence guy and he built a, uh, a box a classical Reich box. And, um, he had passed away about four years ago. Unfortunately, I did get to meet him, but never got to sit in the box. So I was always curious about that, but wonder what her egg might be like if she was to use some Reich, you know, wool and material inside yep. the walls, if that might even add an extra so, element, or could be another iteration of that. So I can tell you right now that it's fiberglass and wood. And so it's okay. organic and crystalline, just like right. Reich would use fiberglass and wood. Okay, fiberglass, wood, go. and copper. Yep. yep. Fiberglass, wood, and copper is the layers that Reich would use. So, um, and, and electricity too. I mean, we, we have actually, I've seen some things and I do some techniques myself that I'm just now getting into um, over the past year. Uh, a friend of mine has recommended using some batteries to, you know, 12 volt batteries. And uh, you're, you're basically two poles of your body, your left north negative and your right south positive. But um, you can use electricity as well. And I think there's going to be a lot of things that that have been, you know, the Baghdad battery is said to have been more than just a battery. It was a medical device hmm. for treating sickness and, and wounds and things like that. But I think that's one of the things that, you know, the so-called allopath allopathic field, um, unfortunately, turned away from Dr. Robert O'Becker, for instance, who wrote The Body Electric. Yep. You know, he was beginning to discover things with DC voltage that were beyond compare in terms of healing and, and stopping infections. And unfortunately, they pulled the funding from that you know, because he was also studying how radio frequency and, and uh, um, RFD affects the human body. And they said, nope, no more for you, because they started putting up these Tetra Towers and things of that nature. And there's a lot of people will say that they're weapons. Others will say they're just communication. Yep. Some will say they're a mix of both. But I truly think that if we know more about, as we learn to know more about, again, knowledge you can only do that what you know, including healing. 
right? So if we keep an open mind and keep exploring these giants whose shoulders we stand on for the purpose of learning to become giants ourselves, you know, knowledge doesn't stop with the giants. They're just handing it off to the next generation. And they intend fully for people to take it forward, become giants themselves, and then hand it off to future generations. So you asked the question early on, where do I think we're going? I think we're going up, but at the same time, we're seeing a lot of devolution at the same time. So there's that balance and it comes down to a choice. No one's, no one's condemned to hell on this planet. We condemn ourselves from being able to learn and to know things that would otherwise help us to progress. And, and that's a self-inflicted wound. And I think as we all have free choice, you know, Trump didn't mandate those vaccines, people. Okay. So everyone that blames Trump for the vaccines, he never said for you to go take it. Okay. He just supplied it. I can supply ice cream. You know, are people going to blame me because they end up with allergies or stuffy noses from eating too much dairy? And it's not, it's a bad comparison, but it's like, you know, there's this thing called free will that you have to consider in the end game here. And most people will self-inflict wounds upon themselves by their own volition because they're ignorant. And Manly P. Hall said it too in a great quote. I can't remember, but he basically, I'll paraphrase here and try not to butcher it, but he said, people suffer ignorance are people who make ignorant. People suffer because they're ignorant. And until they learn to balance their choices, they're they're not going to be able to integrate that which the mind gifts to them. So I'm really chopping that up bad, but it was from a talk he gave, but I, I really truly believe that the human mind is such that free will determines if we're going to have knowledge in this lifetime or if we're going to be predominantly ignorant. And that comes down to free will. The two most dangerous things in the world, nescience and ignorance, and at least one of them can be changed through discovery, you know, and I agree with you on that. And and it's funny too, because I, I like, I had this conversation with David Whitehead and, and I, and he disagreed with me a lot on this, but I said, you know, I have a feeling, a belief that I believe that there's many different factions at that global elite level or that that puppet master level. And I believe that these factions are fighting each other right now for control. Um, But I also believe that some of them think of more of a democratic or a nationalist perspective of the next world order. Well, mm. others want the Marxist perspective, communo-fascist perspective. And some of them are Satanists and some of them are, are, are atheists and some of them are, are Christians, right? Like you have all of that still up there at that level. But I think that there's one thing that they all agree on. And, and I think we've seen this over the last hundred years in civilization. And, and it's, if you look around you, the symbology is everywhere. All of the little things that open up your mind to make you go, I wonder what that means is right in front of you. And I think that when it came down to the choice of we want to depopulate the world and the other side's like, well, you can't do that to people. You can't force that upon them. These people are like, well, we're going to depopulate the world. And then it came down to, we'll just give them a choice. The ignorant will fall suit. And the ones who are not, the ones who are critical thinkers, the ones who are creative in their own minds, they will see the truth. And I think that all of them, that was one thing that they were all in agreement on, is that let let the masses filter themselves out through choice, through free yeah. will. 
And I, I just, I have that feeling and I know it's sick, but I think that at that level, when you're at that level, I mean, think about Putin yesterday. That dude is one of the longest serving. He is the longest serving superpower leader in the world. Okay. This man was KGB through the cold war, you know, rose up into the ranks, prime minister, president, led Russia out of the collapse of the Soviet union. Um, you know, fought off, you know, massive infiltration from the West. Um, he did what he had to do to survive. Do I think he's evil? No, I think that he did what he had to do to survive. And he still does exactly what he needs to do and how he knows how to do it to survive. <clears throat> but looking at that man yesterday, there's one thing that you realize is that if there was a game that we were going to play and him and I sat down at it, he's on a completely fucking different level than me. Mm-hmm. He, he he's on a level so well beyond anything I could ever imagine that there's no point in even playing because that man is, is five moves ahead of everybody. He's playing 5D chess. And I think that we fail to, we, we always tend to say, well, they're just human. And we always look at people as human, but we don't look at the immense amount of pressure and emotion that are pressed upon these people, the the endurance that they've gone through within their life of the things that they've had to deal with, the decision makings that they've had to do that is good to save a thousand lives, but kill 500. Like that weighs a burden on people that has trauma, which affects people. And I don't think we tend to look at those things on a lot of these people. And I'm not, you know, speaking good of the world leaders. I'm just trying to say is that they are a different breed of people out there and i you think have that to we be. Put that in there. yeah you really have to be and and until you put yourself in someone else's shoes how dare you claim to know what they're all about have you read the prince a thousand times by machiavelli do you know that fear is better than love when it comes to ruling if mm-hmm. you begin to lose your subjects um there's a lot of things that we don't know about um but one thing i can say that would really I wished would have been elucidated better, but Tucker's limited in his own ability to philosophize. But Putin started to wane philosophical or wax Mm -hmm. philosophical yesterday in part of that interview, especially when he began to discuss the hemispheres of the brain and why would they both be at war with each other in the same head? You know, I would have taken that to a philosophical level because that's when you really start to get to know what's in a person's mind. Um, I got that he was calling humanity an organism. Yeah. And, and how dangerous and foolish it is it for is one hemisphere to war against the other. And why would you go a thousand, you know, 5,000 miles away from your own hemisphere to create unbalance on the other side of the planet when you got all these problems in your own hemisphere, you know, just learn to work together and we can have a world that's predictable as opposed to this disunited dystopic, and again, it's it comes down to understanding that we we have and are in the throes of a, a worldwide communist revolution uh, by this old world order, I would say, mm-hmm. that is hell-bent on establishing um, a, a type of top-down control system that is plutotra- plutocratic, technocratic, and has no, not even... Uh, a shred or modicum of concern for human beings in general. But is it, you know, what is the escape for people out of that? It's to, to not be ignorant anymore. You know, that's really 
Because when I was ignorant, I suffered all kinds of shit. <laughs> and and 99, if if I am honest with myself, 99.99999% of the the shit that I suffered was self-inflicted. Yep. You know, and I have to be honest with myself. And that's hard for a lot of people to do. And it's also hard to take responsibility for your own evil. Because people always want to blame external entities, other dimensions. You know, you got your David Ikes and your Alex Jones who constantly put these ideas in people's heads that there's nefarious entities in other dimensions hunting your ass day to day. They can't be arrested. They can't be um, tried in a court of law. You can't ever exact justice on them because they're they're not in your field, right? That's part of the reason I made my Dispelling Dimensional Madness was to get people's heads back in the game to affect real change inside their own lives. You know, to take personal spiritual responsibility, mental and physical responsibility, and begin to really turn your life around in a way that can positively affect your outlook, your goals, your dreams, and help you to create the kind of life that you really truly are here to live. So, you know, there's a lot to it. And and I'd love to see more... Uh, Tucker Carlson interviews with more of a philosophical bent to it. Cause I think, again, that's what reveals a lot of the characters what's inside the love of their own wisdom. Hmm. What do these men and women have in these positions that if you just ask the right questions and I'd love to sit down with Putin myself, cause I would hit that motherfucker with some really hardcore questions about what he believes, you know, Tucker asked him, you know, do you think that, you know, with what you've done, through your Christian orthodoxy that you're, you're going to suffer any kind of judgment or there, there are some of those questions that were, you know, he, he kind of skipped or moved and, and pivoted away from having to answer them. But I think he could have asked some that were, would have been right up his alley to answer philosophically, which would have really alluded to the man's character in a way that we, you know, again, phil- philosophy in my mind, every man and woman on this planet has a philosophy. Ignorance is a philosophy. Agreed. Okay? There's only so much wisdom in it, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you can say that about any, any system of thought is that there's, there's something to it. And if you can open that egg to use that pun, you'll find out what's inside it and what that person's made of. Yeah. And, and, you know, Putin yesterday, I, I went back and listened to some of it today. Um, I haven't taken notes. I'm going to go back and listen, take notes though, but his poise was calm, cool, collected, and confident. And this is something that I reiterated last night on the show is that Putin mentioned, there was a big talk about Ukraine and why Ukraine, because that is the battlefront right now of the Western and the BRICS new world orders, okay? Between mm-hmm. the nationalists, which is the BRICS world order, the, the individual state sovereignty world order, right. and the Marxist world order, the technocratic world order. And Ukraine is that battlefield. It's that proxy war. This is now expanding into the Middle East. But Putin said it. You know, have you met with Joe Biden? No. Why the hell am I going to meet with Joe Biden? He don't control anything. Your State Department controls everything. Your State Department is nothing more than an extension of the CIA. And they control everything in your government. He goes, it's not just your government. It's all governments. He's like, luckily for me, I was KGB. Right. So he was trying to tell people that, that, that every country has a deep state, that, that the people that you see in the front, most of them are not decision makers. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on to say that when that CIA decided to utilize the dollar 
and weaponize it against countries to exploit them, to coerce them for votes in the United Nations or to wage wars or to topple their governments, that was the fatal mistake. He said, it's not, it's not that it, it's going to kill the United States. It already has. It's in progress. It's happening right now. And, and it's just a matter of time. And he goes, the people need to wake up to that. And the leaders need to wake up to that because they're all disillusioned that this isn't a reality, but it is. And, and then he warned against China. Like, look, we've been bordered with China for a thousand years. We're not worried about right. China, but you should be Tucker. And, you know, I, I think Putin was really kind of trying to wake up as many people as possible um, very subtly. As in, listen to what I'm saying, people. They're like, there is a new world order coming. And, and he kind of laid it out. And I, I kind of get this feeling that, you know, when I look at Xi Jinping and I look at Putin and all these people in the BRICS nations, that what they're creating in the world order is more fair and economical for people. I, I, I would 100% because it, it retains state sovereignty or nation state sovereignty. It, it has a focus on human rights, individual rights, civil rights, um, basically determined by your nationalistic structure, right? Uh, and then it's economically sound. It's being built around manipulation where there's no manipulation that can really occur within the system. And and I, I think that that's a good system. And I, I already made this prediction that when Donald Trump gets back in the office, he's going to join BRICS. And it's going to be the shot heard around the world. Donald Trump I'll, joining BRICS. I was wondering that. So that's your, that's your opinion? You think he's going to... I absolutely 100%. Here's the thing. It's what Putin said last night. He said that the United States needs to get on the boat and move forward with the world, not against them. That was the invitation to BRICS. And then he went into the talk with NATO, how we got invited to NATO, where we asked to join NATO, and then it came back, no. He goes, see, we're not right. like that. Right. You know, he goes, the United States, doesn't matter what happened in the past, but they got to get on the boat and move forward with the world, or the world's going to leave them behind. And he's really yeah. talking about the Western world, the five eyes kind of intelligence aspect of things. But he's right. And I think Donald Trump is well aware of this. And Donald Trump will join BRICS because a lot of the trade deals that he was making um, when he was president were exactly these BRIC oriented. It was the same type of trade deals. And, you know, the, the world is evolving to the point where it no longer needs the United States. Right. And that's a scary thought. And, and we have to transition as a society. And I think Donald Trump is well aware of that. And that's why I believe that Donald Trump is playing the globalist game. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why people say, you know, why is he supporting Israel and all this stuff? And, you know, well, guess what? He's got to have allies. You, you cannot go to war without allies. Right. You got to have allies. And, you know, why is he, uh, you know, why is he hanging out with some people that he's hanging out with? You got to have allies. Mm -hmm. And when you're at that top level of those factions, and you got Satanist, Marxist, you got socialists, you got, you got freaking, you know, the fascists, you got the, the liberals, you, you got all these various different factions of world elite. You don't have much to choose from in the sense of allies, but you got to pick the ones that align with your perspective of the world the best. And that, I right. think that's what Donald Trump has done. Well, if he joined BRICS, it would certainly prop up the U.S. dollar again. Mm -hmm. You know, it would, it would, it would revitalize the US dollar and it would turn inflation 180 degrees in the other direction. Um, that would be a brilliant move. Um, and also I'd just say too that, uh, you know, I wonder too if, if the collective elite of this country don't, 
they don't see their own collective shadow, you know, and, and, and little actions that prove that is how they were blaming white supremacy for everything until they needed people to meet the quotas for the army recruiting, which was way the hell off. So they began to run commercials with all white guys. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't tell you that these guys really don't have a handle, they can't see their own collective shadow standing in the room like an elephant. And there is such a thing called hubris in psychology mm-hmm. and, and our elite suffer from it. I mean, they've been used to having their way for so long that they, they can't really see the elephant in the room and, and they're making colossally huge and stupid mistakes in front of all of us. I mean, and, and that's something that, again, people, people say, oh, the Masons are all in on it together. Well, you forget that a portion of Masons in this country fought Masons in Britain for our War of Independence, you know, the Revolutionary War, where Masons versus Masons, guys. Okay, so it's not just one big happy family. There's heads of every wolf pack that are vying for power and always have been. I mean, to think that it's all under the control of one dominant force is to do a disservice to your own mind, because then you're saying that there's no way to beat any of it. How can you beat a force so strong if it's all manufactured by one thing, right? Yeah. I mean, as far as Satan reappearing, I don't think any head of the beast has reappeared in in such a way that you can say, unless you believe like Donnie Darko does, and that's all going to hell and that you know, Donald Trump is the Antichrist, then that's one one perspective, certainly, but it's limited. There's some out there that believe that. I'd like to interview that guy. He's interesting to me. Um, I don't agree with him at all, but he's still an interesting, he's, he's a good writer, you know, and I've read a lot of his work and it's very compelling, especially if I, I come from a Christian background, you know, 25 years ago. Uh, so some of that really touched me. I was like, that's really well-written, dude. I don't agree with a damn bit of it. And it's, a, it's got a hugely holy Bible bent on the whole of reality and, and uh, revelations and such. And, and it's just an interesting, you know, so many people, we all have these, these really incredible views of the world. And again, listen to all, believe none. You can entertain through the apophatic process something completely 180 degrees contrary to what you might know. But what that does is it helps strengthen what you know if it's true, because you're studying its opposite. Okay, it's called consecration or or uh, synthesis. You know the dialectic process. You know Hegel's dialectic was not an evil invention. It's meant to take two opposing things and syncretize them to an alchemical union of opposites, which strengthens your worldview and outlook because you've studied both. Right? You got to come to synchrosis and syncretic um, union through a study of the opposites. How can you know cold if you don't know heat, right? right? So that's, as Mark Twain would say, and I'll pull that quote up, but what do you think about that? I think you're spot on is that, you know, we live in a dualistic universe and that, you know, this is one of my biggest problems with the whole new age movement is that you have these people walking around with, you know, flowers in their hair and everything's love and God's love. And this is all love. And I'm like, well, if God's all love, doesn't that mean that God's all hate? No, God, no, no, God can't be. Well, he has to be. I mean, he he can't be the one side of the pole, but not the other. And I think that this is something that, you know, people have a really hard time rationalizing because they love being within that identity. They love being within that label of what something is or makes them feel to be. 
But yet, on the other hand, they don't want to venture out beyond the boundaries that they've created within that label, within that identity, that that ego, to something else that potentially could change that whole perspective, could change that feeling. And then right. it goes into that impermeance of change that we were, we were talking about before is that, you know, I, I look at it is that we have, uh, we have a mindset and we have a paradigm, right? Our mindset is our understanding of our internal worldview. Our paradigm is this understanding of our external worldview, where your mindset and your paradigm meet is your ego. And this is a defensive mechanism to make sure that neither one of those shift or change too much, that they stay kind of right here. And anytime that one shifting or changes, that ego jumps in and says, uh-uh, we're going back. But the objective as the practitioner is to expand both of those realms. To, to get the discipline over the ego to expand both of those realms. Because as you do, that ego grows thinner and thinner and thinner because more knowledge is com coming in. But I believe that people have this impermeance. They have this wall of that ego, or this wall of identity, this wall of label <clears throat> to where they don't want to venture out beyond that, which is uncomfortable. And that it, it goes back that all creativity in this universe came about through risk, through being uncomfortable and through for through action, right? And that nothing in this world was created without taking risk, without somebody being uncomfortable, without someone moving away from that point of thought that was stagnant. You have to change. You have to progress. You have to expand out. You have to see all sides of the situation in order to fully grasp and understand something that is. And I believe that, you know, our point who we are, what we are, our creators. And that it, it's sacrilegious against who and what we are to stay within that 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 flow of, of no change, to, to only know one side, to to only you know flow with one polarity or to only be on the side of good. Is that it doesn't mean that you have to align with it. It doesn't mean that you have to hold it in your heart, but it means that you need to understand it. And I think that that's the beauty of the world around us is that we can understand both sides of the game of life and we can be better for it. We can understand evil. We can understand the darkness. We can understand the darkness of nature, the evil of nature. We can understand the beauty and the love and, and the gratitude. We can understand the, the, the better parts of humanity. And the objective is, is to draw a perspective on it, to know it, to understand it. Because once you do, you're drawing a unique point in the universe on something that was just experienced. And now you're adding to the creativity of the all mind. There you go. Can I share a screen real quick? Yeah. Okay. Here's a quote. I just wanted to show this to you guys. But we're an infinite. Let me know if you got it. No, you got the, uh, you got to go have... to the other tab, other tab. Okay. I got the infinite screen going. Yeah. You got to go to the other tab there. I'll go entire screen and then I'm going to minimize this. So stand by. Let me know if you see it now. It should be a, a slide from my presentation. Mm -hmm. We got it. Okay. Mark Twain. What is joy without sorrow? What is success without failure? What is a win without a loss? What is health without illness? You have to experience each if you are to appreciate the other. There is always going to be suffering. It's how you look at your suffering, how you deal with it, that will define you. Hmm. It, you know, it, it's funny that we're having this conversation. I was listening to something earlier, and there's this story on Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
where Jesus and the disciples are walking through and they see a dead dog and the, the disciples decide to not to look at the dog and they look away because it's rotting. It's a rotting corpse corpse and it's disgusting. It's mangled and they all look away and nobody comments on it. And Jesus stops and looks at the dog says, what nice teeth that dog had when it was alive. You know, and the lesson there is that we have to look at the beauty and everything, even if it is something sickening and evil. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm not trying to say, look at like that, that came out wrong, but I, right. I think with people understand what I'm saying is that, you know, that was, that was once a very happy dog that lived probably a good life. And, mm -hmm. you know, now it's, it's, it's evolving back into nature. Now it's becoming part back part of the one. And he, he was recognizing it as the one part of its beauty that was left mm -hmm. instead of looking at it as a mangled corpse. Absolutely. That's kind of what I was trying to say, but yeah, you know, that's, that's right in line with what the Russell teachings talk about. Um, they say life and death are the two great gifts that God gives to man. Mm -hmm. You know, man, man is given the gift of life and death is his gift for giving back to God, the life that was given to man. Hmm. So death is our gift to God so that we enter back into that stillness from which we came because the, the, the balancing poles of all motion are stillness and silence. You have loudness and you have softness in terms of music and a musical note is struck. Let's just take a guitar string or a piano note on a piano. You hit that and from silence springs sound and then that sound eventually returns to the silence. Mm -hmm. And that silence is what is called zero in Russell science. So zero to four plus four, zero centering it, plus four back to stillness. That That is pretty much the way that all motion springs from stillness and all silence springs from sound. Hmm. And that also is why we say rest in peace. We don't say gallivant around heaven in a UFO doing jumping jacks. You know, you say rest in peace because you you mean to rest from a lifetime of vibrational frequency existence, right? And it doesn't require another dimension. I don't want to go straight out of this body into another body. I'd like to rest a while myself, kind of yeah. like we rest at night before we get up and go to work the next day. If we just went to sleep and 30 seconds later we woke up and we're back to work, what a miserable existence that would be. So it's learning. Well, at least we're work. guaranteed a dream. Yeah, exactly. And when do you dream? In between your states of action. So in the I like to say, and, and the quote on my the front of my website is, um, you cannot think how to know, you cannot act how to think, but you can know how to think and act. That's right. And, and to me, that's that state of knowing is the stillness within each one of us. It's dead center between the hemispheres. It's being the whole head versus the seesaw. Oh, good day, bad day, late, early, up, down, left, right. When you understand alchemy and hermeticism to a great enough degree by studying the greats like the Reichs and the uh, Russells and, and, and others, there's, there's, I can name a, a plethora of them. But you get to this point where that syncretism enters you and you learn that the stillness is your greatest power source. And you can command these opposites. You're no longer commanded by them. You know, bad things happen, but you can take that bad and you can quickly write it. 
because you understand the law of balance. You understand that being a living entity uh, powered by the creator is a moment to moment relationship. It's an active moment to moment relationship and all the power of the universe is back of you. And if you can be that centered and that still and that silent yet command these opposites, all that power to move these two levers or the seesaw, let's say, you become the fulcrum of that motion universe, which is what our bodies are. And we can command that. And that's what Falconelli said was the true secret of, of alchemy was not the transmutations of metals, but the, the, the transmutation of the experiencer himself. And yeah. that is what a master life magi human being truly does and can do. He can crystallize his own thoughts through his body to command matter to obey his mind as opposed to being thrashed about on the waves of life by polarity after polarity after opposite after opposite. You command the opposites versus being commanded by them. And that is what, that's what what divine life is. Absolutely, man. And it's what Buddha called the middle path, Mm -hmm. right? The narrow path. The narrow path, the middle pillar. Um, It's what we, uh, in alchemy or or in hermeticism is when you're following the path of natural law is Mm -hmm. that you are following the balanced path. And what that means is that if you're, if you're looking at any of the various natural laws, if you deviate to one side or the other, there's imbalance. That imbalance has consequences and repercussions. But if you are able to be within that silence, be in that center of the middle of, of natural of, of a law, you begin to feel its harmony. You begin to see its synchronicity. You begin to understand it way better than you ever could because it's the silence of the the ebb and the flow, the balance that comes about from them, that opens it up for synchronicity, for things to happen and occur, for the law to truly manifest in your life. Yep. And the greater you live a life of balance, the more synchronicity you experience. That's your gauge, people, for how you know you're in the middle path. And, you know, from there you act accordingly. And all things are part of all other things. And, and truly, I think one of the, one of the master keys of this whole entire thing is, is, um, is just knowing that, you know, that power source is you. It's that self that, that stands between the tension of the opposites. It's also called wholeness. Um, it's the correct use of the force called vitalism. You know, the true vitalists were the, the Carl von Reichenbachs who talked about the odic force, your Reichs with the orgone, your Russells with the still magnetic light, your Buddha with the, the middle path, the Christ with the narrow, you know, the kingdom of heaven being within. Mm-hmm. All these things are eluding. And, and the beauty of the religions of the world is they're all compatible with this awareness and knowledge. So, yes, you can be any one of these world religions and have this knowledge because your mind is renewing to the possibility of the Godhead being an internal mechanism as much as it centers, it also bounds all motions. So it's, it's complete and whole in and of itself. But one thing I like about the Russell's in particular is the charts and the diagrams that he drew 
to accompany these teachings, which which are unparalleled to me. If anybody wants to visit uh, Walter Russell, um, visit philosophy.org. And if you want to save 20% on book orders for books or booklets, you can enter Anarchapoco20 uh, after tomorrow on Sunday. That code will be active. It's all caps, Anarchapoco20. You'll have to look the spelling up. Yeah, I was about <laughs> that, to say that'll that. be for your listeners. Anybody that wants to order a Russell book, I recommend *The Secret of Light* if you've never read anything before. If you're more about, you know, perhaps new and like Leo Russell's work better, *Get God* will work work with you, but not for you. Uh, the home study course is awesome as well. Um, I'll always promote their work because it fundamentally changed my life inside and out. You know, and it's it's something that will always be near and dear to my heart. And it's the reason I'm heading to Mexico. But, um, you know, I just love the fact that so many of these great world religions, the wisdom of philosophy and the great minds of the poets and the hermetics and the alchemists and, and all these divine arts all cross pollinate with one great truth. And that truth is that we all have this power within us. And that is the power to renew our minds, to continually grow through the process of attaining knowledge, truth, and an awareness of our own divinity. And to the degree that we are aware of the divinity within is yep. to the degree that we can express that without. And that is as within, so without. Love it. Matt <laughs> Presty, fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> you're, you're fantastic, man. I love you, bro. You're awesome. I'm, I'm hoping that you have a safe trip and a great time in Acapulco. Uh, enjoy the uh, the time there and, and the time to get up on stage and, and enlighten people and give them that dose of knowledge because you know the 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 world needs more people like you and, and Michael and, and David and all of us right I mean man it, it's just it's a great time to be alive and it's eye opening but I just appreciate you so much and all the work and hard work and effort you've done to, to contribute and everything that you put forth man and so people. MattPresti.com, M-A-T-T-P-R-E-S-T-I.com. Also, philosophy.org. The link is in there. And Arcapoco, if you want 20% off any of the Walter Russell books, that's as for all the audio podcast listeners, A-N-A-R-C-H-A-P-U-L-C-O is that uh, discount. Two, zero. 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 Yep. Zero. Two zero. Yeah. An Arcapoco okay. 20 will give you 20% off books gotcha. or booklets. Starting Saturday. Sunday, Sunday, this Sunday. Perfect. <laughs> and then for everybody else, uh, Fringe After Dark, Social Red Pill. We'll see you guys there. If you get the subscription, make sure you have the right subscription. If not, send me a DM when you get on socialredpill.com. I will see you guys over there almost immediately after this. Much love, respect. God bless. Take care. Have a great night. See you guys next time. Good night. Cheers. Bend the spoon. That's impossible. Only try to realize the truth. What truth? There is no spoon.